friends. Looks like uh, I'm at the last day of my cycle for my uh, podcast host, Buzzsprout. And it looks like I still have 30 minutes left for this cycle with about two hours before the news cycle starts. So I don't want those 30 minutes to go to waste. So I'm posting a bonus, I'll call bonus minutes uh, for uh, today. And uh, so what's on the top of my mind and what I want to get off my chest, it has to do with crappy instructors, crappy professors, okay? And the reason I want to vent or rant about this, I hope it does not become an explicit language <laughs> marked episode. I've been relatively clean so far. It's because my daughter, Emma, who's already has her associate's degree, but she's taking more classes, uh, foundation classes in math and science before transferring to her four-year university later this fall. And so during the time she's been taking these community college courses, she would give me her thoughts about the classes she's taking or have taken. And it's interesting for me as an instructor to, to listen to uh, my resident college student who can give me great insights about what she thinks about the classes and the instructors and, and all that kind of stuff. And on occasion, she will complain about a class. And I would be curious and ask her, well, why, do you, why is this class not good? What's going on? And so it got me thinking, and she's very frustrated by it, okay? So I, we had a long talk about how to handle it. And so I, I started listing the things that I feel like instructors may not do well in. So for you students out there, maybe you can relate to this uh, in terms of being in a class with this kind of instructor. I hope I'm not one of those, but I'm sure, you know, I have been at, from time to time, and I'm still learning, okay? So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but... I'm going to call out those instructors, if you're listening, that maybe these are things you should improve upon. And, and most of it's pretty obvious. All right, so I'm going to call this first level, level one. Uh, I call it general incompetence. Okay, <laughs> this is my list, okay? Now, students, you should cut slack for, for instructors who are new or have less experience or who recently migrated their on-campus class to online okay, or remote, and they struggle with Zoom and all that. You really have to cut them some slack, okay? Um, they're learning. So if their intentions are good and they're trying, they should be applauded for that, okay? So what do I mean by incompetence? Well, from a student point of view, they're missing the basics. For example, the professor seems like they're unprepared for their lecture or even for their online classes, right? And, Things just aren't there that's supposed to be there. Maybe they have an incomplete syllabus. They lack specifics about due dates and policies and when things will be graded or how they are graded. Or maybe they have poor communication skills with students. For example, a student might email them and then they hear crickets or they email back a few days later, right, which is not the professional standard. You should expect, and again, this should be in your syllabus, when an instructor will respond to you once you send them an email. And for me, it's within 24 hours and often much sooner than that. Um, maybe they are a poor lecturer, right? They're just boring or they're just ramble on. <laughs> thinking about myself here. Uh, 
and maybe they're not engaging, or, or they're just bad at explaining things. You end up being more confused than before. And in one of my daughter's classes, she told me straight out, and, and she's a good student. Right? She takes classes, I feel like, for the right reasons. She does her research. She doesn't look up which is the easiest professor to take. She finds which is the best class to take and the best instructor based on online reviews, which we all know can be very unreliable. Well, she was very disappointed by this class, and, and her fellow students' classmates also feel the same way. And they've been talking amongst each other about their thoughts about the class. And one of the things that this instructor doesn't seem to do well is utilize the time in class. So my daughter said that she feels like the in-class time is a waste of time, she's not benefiting from it, that she's learning the majority of the material on her own. She's not gaining anything from the class lecture. Now again, I don't know the specifics, I haven't sat in, but um, this could be the case for some of you. Maybe you have this experience. All right, let's move up to, well, okay, uh, part of it also has to do with whether or not the instructor seems disinterested, they seem bored or dispassionate about their own subject that they're teaching, which is kind of sad. All right, let's bump it up to level two, and this is where I call the poor attitude of the instructor, or you, another way to interpret that would be the high dick factor, okay? Um, and this goes for any gender or sex, okay, just being a dick. All right, so um, in general, if an instructor is not viewing the classroom as a learning environment, okay, when a student asks a question and they find it as, as, as an opportunity as an opportunity to put a student down with a comment, and this happened to my daughter actually, okay, she was given the, well, you should have known this response when she asked the question in class for clarification. And I'm paraphrasing okay, what the instructor said, but it had that same effect. Now, especially in STEM or any college class, I mean, we may have college students who are first-year college students, first generation, in their family going to college, and they may have, be very insecure about their class. And so for this instructor who teaches a science, to have that kind of reaction to a student who's genuinely working hard, okay, and it's actually too early on for an instructor to know who's the good student, who's the bad students, and, and I hate using those labels anyway, but, you know, if an instructor thinks that way, um, I don't know how they made that judgment. So I'm assuming this person just talks that way to students in general. So they weren't being, being very constructive, they weren't empathetic to the fact that college students not so much need what we call hand-holding, holding, sorry, but we need to pay attention to understand that the level of insecurity in the student and the fear of a subject is very real. And that instructor, like myself, can have a huge impact on that student going forward in terms of their self-confidence level or their overall self-esteem. Now, I'm not saying students are fragile like glass that we have to, you know, um, can never be critical. But the, the notion that you don't see the classroom as a learning environment 
is actually very upsetting to hear, okay? Um, and also this goes for grading assignments. You know, if, if there are essay assignments and you don't give feedback or an opportunity for them to revise and improve, but just have a red pen and write minus five here, minus five there, that's not really a learning environment either. Okay, let me move up to level three. This is the abuse of power category, okay? And this, uh, you know, can have serious consequences such as sexual harassment of students. Um, this happens a lot. Uh, okay, a lot. I don't know the percentage, okay? But quite often in graduate school, if there's a professor uh, taking advantage of a research assistant, you know, the professors in that situation have a lot of power, right? They're, they're not only deliver grades for students that can affect their future, but students look up to you as an instructor. And this instructor is kind of like a gatekeeper. They may be able to uh, put in a good word, write a good reference letter for you for your next you know, step forward. And so the, unfortunately, there are bad actors in this profession, and they may take advantage of that power over students. And and it could be something else instead of something as serious as sexual harassment or inappropriate sexual conduct, but verbal abuse of students, okay, um, or emotional abuse. So those are my three levels, right, from the, you know, relative incompetence to just overall just being a dick to level three, okay, uh, dick prime or <laughs> dick plus, uh, abusing one's power, okay, in that role, as a college professor and instructor. So as a student, what can you actually do? Now, obviously there are a lot of things that are outside of your control. So let's talk about what to do if you're faced with a level one relatively incompetent instructor. And again, I don't mean incompetent as in like, you know, in a, in a really pejorative way. I just mean incompetent, like they're not doing certain things well, whether it's unintentional or intentional, that kind of thing. Well, first of all, we're not going to be able to, you're, as a student, you have no control over improving that instructor's level of competence, right? There's no feedback you can give them right now to make their next lecture better, right? Or, or suddenly they will be emailing uh, more in a more timely fashion, right? Whatever habits that instructor has, chances are they will carry it through the course, Changing that kind of behavior for an instructor can be difficult and it takes time, all right? And so one thing you can do is to communicate with the instructor. If they're slow in communicating, it's okay to, to send a friendly reminder. Sometimes they may have overlooked one email. It may not be a pattern, you know. It could just be that they were busy and they forgot to reply when they thought they replied, right? So sometimes a little reminder prompt would be fine. Say, instructor so-and-so, did you have a chance to grade the essay? I'm really anxious about knowing and getting feedback. All right, so request it in a very constructive way, not in a I'm a mad customer um, and I want to, you know, give them a piece of my mind kind of attitude, right? Now, one thing you can do as a student, as well as you and your classmates, is to definitely complete the student evaluation or the course evaluation, okay? And take notes during the semester or during the course about what things you feel like this instructor is lacking, as well as what they're doing well, and put all of that in there. Because believe it or not, the instructors will read it, right? And in, in, a, in, a, 
in the next quarter or next semester. So it's anonymous. You should be as honest as possible. Again, don't be abusive toward the instructor, but just use it as an opportunity to give them very detailed feedback of things that you thought could be better. Okay, so now for level two. Um, again, if the person's being a dick, you know, then you really need to document instances of that. Now, hopefully, you know, if that happens early on and you can drop a class, and you know, but sometimes you're, you're stuck with that instructor. You may not have many options. Maybe the other courses are full, right? And you, you're kind of stuck with taking this class and it's a requirement and, you know, you, you don't want to put it off. You can't just drop and take it again next quarter or semester, okay? So if you feel like they're a very poor lecturer and your, your time is not well spent, Again, this, this is actually more level one. Then record a sample lecture. In addition to doing a student evaluation, send a copy of that audio to the department, department chair or department coordinator, right? As well as your own summary, critical summary of, you know, what you think about the instructor's lecture style. All right. So in terms of... Um, Again, the high, the poor attitude stuff, you know, if you're stuck with that instructor, then just my advice is to focus on the material, use other resources such as the um, tutoring center or have study groups, make the best of the class, and don't allow that instructor to give you a poor taste in your mouth for that subject. You can still try to enjoy that subject and not make you hate it, okay? So you try to divide those two things, compartmentalize those two things. All right, now the level three stuff is a little bit more challenging, and I'm going to have you refer to your college student handbook. There's bound to be a section on, and it actually should be in a syllabus, if you have a grievance towards about a professor, how to make that grievance. Usually if it's something minor, They'll tell you to talk to the professor first, and then you, if you're not satisfied or unhappy, you can move up the chain of command, okay? But if it's an abuse situation or whatever, the first priority is to get to safety, right? Uh, be safe. Do what you need to be safe. And if that involves calling uh, campus police, you know, it depends on the, whatever that situation happens to be, okay? Now, if there is an incident, you definitely want to report it to the college. Again, follow the procedures in the college handbook. Uh, and if you just, if it happens suddenly and you don't even know what the handbook says or where to find the student college handbook, then call your academic counselor, someone that you can rely upon who's within the college who can guide you in the process of getting help, okay? And um, some preventative measures and instructors, we, we kind of know this, and also those who work in clinical practice, is that uh, as a student, when you meet an instructor for their office hours, just make sure the door stays open, right? Now, again, I don't want to overly creep you out, but, you know, just for your own safety, it's, it's really good practice. And instructors actually know this, too, because for their own protection, if something happens and the student accuses you of something, at least you know you have the door open, okay? Now, if you want... You can ask the professor for permission to audio record your meeting when you're going in there to ask some questions about the class, and most professors would probably say yes, okay? And um, so that's a way of protecting yourself as well. And also, 
make sure there's nothing blocking you from the exit of that office, right? Office door. Make sure that your your seat is close closer to the open uh, office door of that instructor. And and again, with anything that's happening in your any of your classes, you want to document, right? It, it's sort of like being at work and you have a really abusive or incompetent boss that's making unrealistic, you know, uh, demands of you, then you want to document those instances. Just write down date and time and what happened, okay? And then those things can be used as evidence or as a feedback mechanism back to the college. All right, I just need to take a breath here. I've been <laughs> talking really fast, try to get it, get this in, but I still have some time left. All right, so now that I've gotten that off my chest, uh, I really hope that um, when it comes to selecting your instructor, that the best thing to do is to ask several students, right? Get a range of feedback, a sample that's more than just one, and try to understand why the feedback they give is the way it is, right? Don't just say, hear from someone and say, oh, take uh, Dr. Jones, they're great. Well, how are they good? Why is that class good? You know, that kind of thing. What should I expect? Um, RateMyProfessors.com can be extremely unreliable. I remember looking at my own uh, list of ratings and, you know, sometimes they're, you know, it's nice as an instructor to see people saying good things, right? But in a way, in a student evaluation for the course, as an instructor, when I read the student feedback, when everybody just says everything's good, I don't learn anything. There's n what can I improve upon unless I know what an issue or an area improvement can be, right? So students who go to rate my professors or, or anywhere to review, they're generally, I think, heavy on the top and bottom end. The bottom end is that a person didn't do well, so they're upset and they want to just voice their grievance that the class sucks. And they may not go into detail while they say they'll say the test is extremely hard. Uh, I remember seeing my own feedback, and and they're all contradictory, right? One person might say, "Oh, the tests are very fair. If you study, you'll do well." The next person will say, "The tests were impossible, and I couldn't get a good grade." Right? So it's kind of hard to judge based on those kinds of feedbacks online. So again, ask people in person, and you should know when you register for a class, whether or not that instructor is full-time or part-time as an adjunct, adjunct, okay? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, because I'm a lifelong, not lifelong, but I'm an adjunct, but I was also full-time, I was both. And it's not necessarily the case that the full-timer is always better or worse, that kind of thing. But it gives you an idea of who has more experience, okay? And so chances are, a full-time instructor will be a little bit more invested in their course than an adjunct, a typical adjunct. Now, again, I don't want to put down adjuncts. I'm one right now, okay? But uh, again, regardless, you just need to know that in the back of your mind, whether someone's full-time or part-time, that can help you make that decision as well. Whew. Okay, I think I've gone through all my notes. I think um, uh, my blood, blood pressure is a little bit lower now. And I'm going to just edit this sucker and uh, post it, okay? All right, so hopefully this gives you a little bit of useful information if you happen to run into, unfortunately, a crappy instructor. All right. Okay, folks, 
I will talk to you soon in the next episode. Our podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, friends, maintaining our mental health is not easy. And the good news is that therapy does work. And what is therapy? It's really whatever you choose it to be. It can help you with your motivation. Maybe you're feeling stuck and you need some extra tools to help get you unstuck. Maybe you're feeling insecure in a relationship or having issues at work or just dealing with daily stress. So whatever it is you need, it's important to overcome that sense of shame about getting help because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So... Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and your mental health. So, I have a special offer for our Psychology Concepts Explained listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash psychexplained. That's better, H-E-L-P, dot com slash psych explained. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast.